The opinions and views expressed in the OC Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Are you ready? It's time. For the greatest damn radio show in all of Orange County. What's it called? The OC Show. Right here on KUCI. 88.9 FM in Irvine. That's right, Orange County. The sun shines here 361 days a year. And while the rest of the nation is crippled economically, the sunshine is bright, and we are still drinking our double mocha caramel frappuccinos and drinking lots of latte and driving our SUVs. It's a wonderful thing here in the OC. Life is good. Well, normally, folks, I would keep that going for a little bit longer, but today I've got a very special guest in studio, and I want to get right to him. Welcome to the show. This is The O.C. Show. I am Cameron Jackson. Happy to be here today. Happy to be in studio. It is a wonderful day. The beautiful snow on Saddleback Mountain. If you wake up in the morning and you, and you can look that direction, uh, there's just a snow-covered mountain. The most snow I've ever seen on Saddleback Mountain. Absolutely amazing and beautiful. And also, if you get a chance, you can see all the way out to the, uh, I guess, what is it, the San, uh, Santa Ana Mountains out there. I guess they've got some snow. And then the ones way, way out there where Mount Baldy is and whatnot, tons of snow out there. So that's just awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, very, very beautiful. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, Christmas time here, and uh, I've been given a gift uh, today. Um, I'm very, very lucky and very, very happy to have this guest in studio today. Um, before we get into that, though, uh, real quick, uh, housekeeping stuff that I always like to get in and out of the way. If you are listening in your car and you want to continue listening, uh, once you get out of your car, go to KUCI. Dot org. Click in the upper right-hand corner for streaming audio. That way you can continue to listen in your house, in your office, wherever you might be. Also, if you want to send me a message uh, during the show, you can do so. Go to Cameron uh, at theocshow.net. Boy, I almost forgot my own email address. Cameron at theocshow.net. And you can send an email, uh, ask a question of the guest today uh, when uh, the guest comes on, uh, if you have one, or you can ask me a question, or you can tell me to uh, get a life, whatever you like to do. I don't care. And um, also, you can go to my website at theocshow.net, and you can uh, follow up. You can listen to podcasts of previous shows. Uh, this show will be podcast later on, and you can also see upcoming um uh, guests, upcoming topics, and you can read uh, my commentaries when I do those for you. So, uh, without further ado, uh, my guest today is, um, he's in the paper quite a bit. He is a very well-known uh, political figure here in Orange County. He is the chairman of the Board of Supervisors, John Morlock. Good morning, John. Cameron, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I am just tickled pink that you're in studio, and one of the first questions that i have for well let's let's who is john john morlock what what where are you where are you from what are what's your background tell us about john uh born in 1955 in groningen the netherlands my folks decided to immigrate uh, so we uh were sponsored by an uncle who lived here in orange county uh and we uh, immigrated to orange county in 1960 grew up in the cypress buena park area which is in my district i uh, went to uh western high school Wanted to go to Irvine. Uh, University of Irvine was just built and beautiful. Uh, didn't have a good business school at the time, so I went to Long Beach State. Uh, sat for the CPA exam, passed that. Worked for a CPA firm for nearly 18 years. 
I was a partner for 10 and said, you know, we have a problem with our county treasurer. Uh, so in 1994, I ran against Robert L. Bob Citron, uh, failed, but at least told the world what was happening in the treasurer's office. Six months later, the county imploded with its uh, investment portfolio, filed for Chapter 9 bankruptcy, and then uh, I had my 15 minutes of fame. I was international for a few weeks. Uh, then uh, in March, the Board of Supervisors decided to appoint me to replace Mr. Citron, and I held that job for 12 years. And during the last six or seven of those years, I've been complaining about pension plans, defined benefit pension plans for public employees. And now uh, that uh, that uh, has become a crisis at this point in, in history and something that I've been trying to deal with. So I couldn't deal with it from my position as treasurer. So I thought I'd take a pay cut and run for supervisor and, and deal with what I, what I saw as an economic recession or downturn coming. So now I have the joy of, of dealing with that in this position. And we are going to get to that question uh, about retirements in a bit because I'm very fascinated with that whole issue. Well, along the way, Cameron also married a wonderful wife. Uh, I have three kids. They're now 26, 24, and 17, and they're wonderful people and trying to maintain a good family life as well in spite of the busy life as an elected official. Well, you're, I, it's very rare to see somebody who's kind of born and bred here in the O.C. So, well, you weren't born here, but you were pretty much raised here in the O.C. So that's you've got a nice tie to the community. Um, what about uh, a supervisor? What you know, We always hear board of supervisor on um, the radio or we read about it mostly in the paper here in the, uh, Orange County. What does a uh, supervisor do? What, what is your job? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, we have various layers of government here in the state. We have the state, of course, with 80 assembly members and uh, 40 senators. We have a governor. They kind of run the entire state. And we have, then have 58 counties, uh, and every county has a number of cities. Ours is rather large in the number of cities. We have 34. Uh, some counties may not even have a city. So uh, uh, it's a, a real interesting opportunity to, to inter in a sense, interface uh, between the state and the federal government. So the majority of the things we do are uh, just a, a conduit of federal and state funds to address specific needs. We're sort of an agent for both because they, you know, you can't work, deal with people just in D.C. or in Sacramento. So we're providing the health care. We're providing social services. Uh, we deal with probation. We deal with, uh, obviously, public safety, provide the jails. Uh, and so we have a myriad of services that we provide. Uh, and this is a, and it's also something that we provide for all the cities you know, in the county as well. Do you make laws? We make ordinances. And what's um, what's the difference between an ordinance and a law? For well, the it's it's more of a technique. It's like a, like code, you know, sort of a a code section that says, okay, instead of uh, you know being fined a hundred dollars, you'll be fined a hundred and twenty or something of that nature. Nothing really dramatic. Uh, legislation is done actually in Sacramento. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's get to the meat. <laughs> Yeah, that was. You're very clear and concise. You're still, my dad is a CPA, so you're, you're very clear and concise, just like my father. Well, well, thank you. You yes. must, must have a wonderful father. Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> he's very proud of me. I think. Um, let's talk. Uh, the, the budget is a huge issue right now. Uh, California is projected to have a 42 billion dollar shortfall between now and 2010. Uh, money from Cal uh, California's budget trickles down here to the county. Uh, the county has recently said they're laying off somewhere between, what, six and 800 people. Uh, where, where are we at in the budget process here? How is the budget affecting us, and what is the county doing to uh, levy itself with this uh, budget issue? Well, Cameron, th this is going to be a longer answer. Uh, we've had uh, economic cycles. Uh, the last big one was in the early 90s. Mm, the dot-com? No, that was the late 90s. Oh, okay. That was sort of the boom. All right. But the, in the early 90s, we had another real estate kind of crisis where values were declining and property tax revenues were flattening out. And Governor Wilson was the governor at the time, uh, Pete Wilson, and he tried to do a few things to, you know, find funding. And one of the things he said is, we're not going to take care of public safety anymore. Why don't you pass Proposition 172, a half-cent sales tax, and let that be your revenue source for your sheriff and your district attorney. The... Uh, that that was one solution. We've had a number of solutions in trying to deal with these budget issues over the last uh, 17, 18 years. Uh, and, and and the other one that was, you know, with uh, with Governor um, Schwarzenegger, we've had some interesting things. We we have code words for him: triple flip and realignment, and you know, <laughs> sort of like, okay, Sacramento, we'll take this revenue, and you know, counties and cities, you take that revenue. 
And and what happened with with both Pete Wilson and with Governor Schwarzenegger is when they ran out of money, they took ours. We would balance our budgets. We would have reserves. And they would look at those and say, okay, we'll take those. Maybe we'll pay you back. Uh, so we've had a lot of awkward fiscal problems. And Governor Schwarzenegger was hopefully the guy who was going to come in and fix it because we have systemic problems. And every year he did not. You can go back to 2004 and look at the headlines of finally signs budget but defers all the problems into the next year. And that's just been the history. Now, we, now we're in a real economic down cycle and at the at the end of the last boom Schwarzenegger didn't end up with the reserves to get us and carry us through this recession he in fact started this recession with 15 billion dollars in the hole so now we have all these different revenue sources coming from different directions and so for social services for health care agency for probation we get sales tax and vehicle license fee revenues those have declined dramatically because people aren't buying, they're not buying cars, and everything is, I mean, you, you see what today, you know, we've got Governor, excuse me, uh, President Bush trying to bail out, you know, some of our automakers in Detroit. Everything's sort of in a funk right now, and when the revenues de- from the state decline and they don't backfill, we don't have the wherewithal to backfill. And when you look at a service-related department like social services, our biggest cost is labor and benefits. So that means that's where we have to cut. So we are have already announced we're laying off 210 uh, employees. The way the county is structured with its bargaining unit agreements, those that have a year or less of time with the county are still on probation, so you can let them go for any cause. So all the new kids, you know, that we've trained and right, brought on are right, gone. Right, right. They're gone. Uh, so then, then you go up the ladder. Who was hired last? Mm-hmm. That's sort of the paradigm. The paradigm with the unions is longevity, not excellence. Right. So this is not an opportunity to weed out our B team that, you know, don't meet expectations. This is the time we weed out maybe even some of our best people. So it's very it's very difficult, very sad uh, as a manager uh, to see that happen, but that's our only remedy. I mean, we we have no other choice than to, to start laying off uh, well, employees. How much money do we get from property tax? Is that a, is that the bulk of our budget from okay. property tax, Cameron? It's great. So this is, this is the second bucket. The bucket, you know, we've kind of like management by buckets. Right. right. Uh, we we pay for s- s- these three departments with with realignment income. We pay for the DA and the sheriff out of Prop One Seventy Two now a half cent sa- sales tax. So you can see that those two departments are going to start having some issues as we deal with the budget going forward. Uh, but the county has a general fund which is funded by property taxes, and that's about $700 million. Our total budget for this current fiscal year is $6.6 billion. So you can see how much of our money that we're spending is just conduit. It just flows through from the feds and from Sacramento. What, yeah, what percentage of our budget comes from Sacramento and the feds? Well, most of it. Most so, of it? So, I mean, if, you, if, you, if only $700 million is, is, is ours, ours and the, and rest the rest is, is so by what, about six-sevenths, or, you know, whatever the, the math works out to be. Uh, so the most, the majority of it is is coming directly as 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 revenue from the federal and state for us to administer. Wow! And now this. The, the now, but let me get back if I could yeah, interrupt. Yeah, absolutely. We we now have a budget because we did this triple flip. Our revenues are completely almost eighty percent dependent on what our property taxes do. And now we're in a housing crisis. It's sort of like this. You know, if if everything could go wrong at the same time, right. this this is it. So now our revenues from property taxes will go down. What's interesting about Orange County property taxes, again, you know, of all these different propositions and, and budget items that were done years ago, 30 years ago, we passed Prop 13. And 30 years ago, believe it or not, Orange County was a rather rural county and a very efficiently run county with a low tax per capita. And when Prop 13 kicked in, the the state kept everybody at their rates that they were taxing everyone up and down the state. So we had a very low tax rate. So now, because of Prop 13, for every dollar we collect in property tax, the county keeps six cents. But because San Francisco was not so well managed, they get 65 cents of every dollar of property tax collected. So we are now a donor county. We're, I mean, we're prosperous. We're probably one-tenth of the economy for the entire state. But we don't get to keep the revenues we generate because of this formula that was kicked in. 30 years ago, and no one in the northern part of the state or in L.A. wants to change that formula, right? 
Absolutely. Because they would have to yeah. reduce their income, right, right, and we would get maybe more of our share. So things are really interesting for Orange County. If you're just joining us, my guest today is the chairman of the Board of Supervisors, John Morlock. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You're listening to the OC Show with me, Cameron Jackson. Um, you know, let's get on to the next big budgetary issue. Uh, and my wife is going to take complete exception to me asking you this question. She's like, don't ask him about that. Don't ask him about that. But it's a retirement because uh, she's a county worker. Oh, she's in a, she's in a retirement system. Good. Um, and I, I used to be a cop. And um, I fell under the 3% at 50 uh, uh, system, which is basically you got 3% of your highest paid year for the rest of your life um, up, you know, and it started at 50. So you calculated your years out. If you had 30 years on, you'd get 90% of your highest paid uh, year for the rest of your life. So essentially I was going to, uh, if I had a state as a police officer, just so people kind of understand what we're talking about here, uh, I would have, uh, at 52, I would have retired. And I probably would have worked 30 years, uh, made 90%, and I probably would have lived 35 or 40 years. And the county, or actually the city of San Diego, would have been paying me my salary for the basically 35, 40 years. That is a, a situation that counties across California have gotten themselves into, counties and cities. And I know that that, has, that 3% at 50 has trickled down not just from law enforcement, but to others, like district attorneys, uh, deputy public defenders, et cetera, et cetera. This is a real crisis for counties that they have not been dealing with. What do you, and I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. What, what are we going to do about this? Because we cannot keep paying this out uh, for, for the decades to come. Cameron, you, you're excellent. You, you Thank have, you. You have done an eloquent <laughs> job. What, what happened? I don't mean to answer Cameron? your question for you. No, no, but let's, let's kind of put it in real terms. Uh, let's just say that you were still in the police force, or, or let's say in our case you were a deputy sheriff, and you were 50, and you were two years away from retiring, um, and, and you had been funding your plan based on a 2% at 50 formula. And at the last minute, we increased that formula from 2% to 3%. So it's gone up 50%. But for the 28 years you were there, you never paid in for a 3% retirement benefit. You were paying in for a 2%. Mm. So all of a sudden, if the plan were fully funded, it's now two-thirds funded mm -hmm. because we have now increased the benefit by 50%. So you had mentioned the dot-com boom. When that occurred in the late 90s, uh, the largest pension plan in the world, CalPERS, the... Uh, a state's pension plan, whose board is comprised of two-thirds union, public employee union representatives, said, hey, we're overfunded now. We've hit our bogey. And instead of saying, you know, we're probably going to go into a down cycle, and it's a good thing we built this cushion, they didn't say that. They said, we ought to increase our benefits, mm -hmm. and we ought to make them retroactive, because a public employee bargaining unit, the game is an old man's game. It's, it's what's best for the guys heading for the door as opposed to those coming in the door. Absolutely. So they said, we ought to go 3% at 50, and we ought to go retroactive. And that created this unbelievable unfunded liability for everybody that adopted it. Not everybody has. Uh, we're kind of unique. You know, not every city has. But this creates now an amazing unfunded liability for cities and counties and the state that has to be paid. Right, because we made a contract was is the argument. You made a deal. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have agreed to this three percent if you didn't think you could afford it, right? But now that you've made it, you're stuck with it. So that's sort of the the, the drill around the state. We already have one city that's filed for Chapter Nine bankruptcy because of very high costs for. What, what prevents you though, as a policymaker, from from saying, "Hey, okay, you know what? We screwed up. We can't have that anymore. We need to roll this back, and we need to." Uh, either stop what we're doing now so that the future generations of, of law enforcement or whatnot who have this benefit don't get it anymore or significantly change it so that these people are actually contributing. Because the the thing that drives me nuts about these retirements, I mean, when I was in the system, it was wonderful. It was like, yeah, I'm going to make a lot of money. But now that I stand back and I look at the system, I say, you know, 90, well, I should say less than that because there's so many people who work for government now, but the great majority of people out there who work for themselves, work for a business, have to contribute 
something of their income, either through 401K or deferred comp, into the system that they get out at the end. Why can't we start adjusting that system for that? Or are the unions just too powerful? Again, I'm just very amazed at your grasp of the subject, Cameron. This is great. Um, you've kind of answered it in a, in, a, in a number of ways by your conclusion. And, and, and the unions are too powerful. Um, anyone that lives in the second district can just look at what they did to me when I ran for supervisor. Uh, I had a candidate that opposed me. He didn't raise any money. His campaign was totally funded by the, 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 the unions. unions. They did all the independent expenditures. They spent, I don't know, a half million, a million dollars. They had signs up. They tore mine down. You know, it was, just, it was a great, <laughs> great campaign. That just did sounds all, like something a union would do. They, they were... You know, they're a very intimidating force. And they walk into elected officials' offices and say, you know, if you don't want to give us this benefit, we'll just make sure we fund your next opponent. Most elected officials are very insecure, and they go, well, we don't want, we don't want to have that. We want to be your friends. And, and everybody lays down and, and does what the unions want. So I'm a little different. Uh, I see the problem sort of like you've described it. A lot of, uh, a lot of good public safety officials like yourself especially those in senior management, see the problem. They, and, and those that are in it, they know, they know they've skinned the hog. But now it's kind of come to a point where the costs are just yeah, it's astronomical. astronomical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what happens in the private sector is if you don't have enough money in the pension plan, you get a little postcard that says, I'm sorry, we can't pay you your benefit, but we'll give you 40% of it for the rest of your life. So that's something I'm trying to prevent, you know, which maybe – employee unions don't understand i mean yeah it just doesn't it boggles my mind because the thing that i'm thinking is okay if you bankrupt the system then nobody gets anything so there comes a point in time where you kind of have to say look if we want to have the benefit any benefit for our members we're going to have to come to some kind of compromise or do we just have to wait until the system gets completely broken down for the unions to finally say okay fine we'll we'll, we'll give in on this one well you, you, you're watching it right now in sacramento All right it's breaking down yeah. i mean sac Sacramento, the state of California, is a bankruptcy candidate. We're, 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 we're so dysfunctional and so out of touch, it's unbelievable. But you ask the question, what are we doing about pensions? One of the interesting things about giving a retroactive benefit is that it violates, we believe, the state constitution in three areas. No. One is you should only be paid once for, for what you've done. We can't come back and say, hey, we're going to pay you a second time because we really liked the job you did a couple years ago with this retroactive component. Uh, two, that retroactive component created a rather large debt. You can't create a debt as an elected official unless you pay for it in the year it it's created. Our supervisors, my predecessors, didn't pay it off. And that has to be approved by two-thirds vote of the taxpayers. And then third, there's a kind of a hazy one that never seems to come up in, in court cases, but we always talk about it, and that is you cannot, you can't, you can't make a gift of public funds. So we are now in litigation uh, with our deputy sheriff's union. Well, it seems like, and it seems like that's a huge gift. You can totally put that under the gift category. It's it was a, a, the most generous gift, and and you can imagine if you were fifty and you thought I'm going to make a career of public safety because some of the great professionals stay in into their sixties because they love the job. Right. But now they say four words when they turn fifty, and that is why work for free. Yes. If I can make. 90% of my salary staying home, why am I risking my life for 10% more? Right. In fact, why don't I just leave this force and move to another jurisdiction and work for that force Well, and, and then double dip, and, right? And, and you see a lot of administrators do that. They become chiefs of police somewhere else. They're getting their full pension from City X, and while they're working for City Y, they're making a whole other pot of money. That's right. And uh, that's a huge problem. You see that all over the place. Well, it, but it's it's not that they're bad. No, of course uh, it, not. It, it, they're think smart. We would all do that. <laughs> yeah. But somehow elected officials created that opportunity, right. which was dumb. You right. know? So that's one thing we're doing. Another thing that we just finished doing uh, in the November election was uh, put Measure J on the yeah, ballot. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Which said, hey, uh, if you're going to do this again, if you're going to, you know, if we, if we get through this cycle, this down cycle, we're back on an up cycle, and we have a fully funded pension plan, if you want to give better pension benefits again, if that's even feasibly possible, then you had better get a vote of the people before you do it. Because the unions can manipulate and intimidate three of the five board's members 
but they can't intimidate three million people, right? So hopefully it's done in a, on a more uh, calmer, you know, non-back door, back room kind of thing. Uh, this is being done in the county of San, San Francisco. It's been done for 100 years. We're 73% funded as of December 31. We're probably a lot lower now. But San Francisco is fully funded. They were 100% funded. And so they've been able to manage their pension plan, and they're still giving good benefits to their public safety members. And so you know, that's a model we've... And, and when I read that, I was absolutely amazed that San Francisco uh, hadn't given away the farm, uh, considering their mentality up there, and that we were a little bit behind on, as far as that's concerned. Well, Cameron, they have given away the farm. Not in pension benefits, but in the other <laughs> side of this component, and that is lifetime retiree medical benefits. Oh, okay. They gave away the farm there because they didn't have a, a charter provision to keep that reined in. What about Orange County? What, what do we have on that? We have a problem, too, but we addressed it uh, right after I was elected. We put together a committee. This was even before I was sworn in, and, and we, we addressed our retiree medical uh, plan. It had an unfunded liability of $1.4 billion. It would have cost us $131 million a year to pay for it. And in our general fund, of course, you know, it's $700 million. So where do you find $131 million? Right. So we were able to negotiate with the public employee unions, where they, they started to see, you know, if we want to keep this benefit, we had better, you know, be a little more smart about it. And they agreed to a number of changes, which I won't bore you with because it's like an eight-hour conference. But we were able to reduce the annual required contribution to $26 million and the unfunded liability to $412 million. So we reduced it by a billion dollars, which was rather dramatic. In fact, we're sort of a national model of, wow, how did you do that? In Orange County, if every resident had to pay off our unfunded liability today, it would cost them $153 each. San Francisco County, their liability is like $4.2 billion. And if every resident of San Francisco County had to pay it off, it would be $4,600, oh, $5,600 per, per person. So we've made a rather dramatic impact, at least on retiree medical. If we hadn't done that, you know, I don't know where we would be in this crisis right now because we're not the best funded as far as reserves uh, are concerned of counties with our peer groups up and down the state because we're still paying $80 million a year for our bankruptcy debt. So, you know, to add another $100 million in, in retiree medical would have been, it's like, where do you pull that out of the hat? So, right, right. so now, now we have to worry about what's, what's the market doing to our pension plan because we were underfunded 73%, but in the last 11 months, our pension plan has lost 23%. So if you take an $8 billion portfolio, it's now $6 billion. So where do you come up with that $2 billion that you've lost when you were already down $2.7 billion? And it might go down even further. Yeah. If you're just joining us, my guest today is Supervisor. Uh, he's Chairman of the Board of Supervisors, John Morlock. Uh, you're listening to the OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. When we come back, more questions for Supervisor John Morlock, and we will take a quick break. We will be right back. And welcome back. You're listening to the OC Show with Cameron Jackson right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And just remember, folks, I am your Superman. Oh, yeah, man. Um... You know, before we get into it, uh, just so you all know out there, the opinions of views expressed in the OC show with me, Cameron Jackson, do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Uh, my guest in studio today is the chairman of the Board of Supervisors, John Morlock. John, how are you again? Doing great, Cameron. Excellent. Thank you're, you. You're a, an outstanding host, man. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you. You're boosting my ego, um, which doesn't need any more boosting, believe me. <laughs> um, and you've got a good-looking beard. Yeah, thank you very much. You too, yeah. It's very, I thought you liked my beard. That's why I grew it, actually. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and you've got a good radio voice, too. You know, you should you should uh, look into a uh, career in radio after your... I have a face for it. Yeah. <laughs> You said it, not me. <laughs> I'm kidding. Anyway, um, a couple things that have been uh, 
in the papers recently that I'd like to talk about with you. The first one is the lobby. There is a big to-do about a 400 and some odd thousand dollar upgrade to the lobby. Where is that upgrade? Yeah, the timing sucks. Uh. Yes, it does <laughs> suck. And, 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 <laughs> you're, you're here now to, to, to justify how, why we need a $400,000. Are we going to keep the $400,000 lobby? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. We're, we're certainly looking at everything. So that's uh, not a done deal yet? Uh, well, we've, we've, we have stripped everything uh, out of there, the asbestos and... We've addressed all the code violations with the electronic uh, lights, switches, and everything. Two, two issues, Cameron. <clears throat> the first is that after the bankruptcy, there were a lot of people that went up the elevator to the fifth floor, which is where the supervisors are, and then could run right into offices. And, and there was a real fear of who might come in. At that time, we didn't have uh, deputy sheriffs uh, at the front door kind of watching everybody. So they built this kind of a cage where you come out of the elevator and you're kind of locked in there. How that got through permitting, I don't know. I really don't know because last year the fire department for the city of Santa Ana came in and said, you can't access the stairwells from here. So anybody in this little constricted lobby wouldn't, you know, they can't, they, they wouldn't be able to get out of, out of here. So it was in violation of, of the code. So that was the the major thing. The second is, um, because things get real dicey, I, I have already had my life threatened, and the individual that did it uh, has already served 270 days in jail, so, and he, he apologized, and he's being monitored by the court system. So that that's real. So we have a lot of staff, uh, because he also threatened my colleagues, uh, a lot of staff that are worried, as are their spouses. You know, who could kind of jump up on that fifth floor? Because... Although we have deputies and uh, special uh, service officers in in the uh, building, they don't do a metal detector thing on and, and you know check everybody like you're at the airport. This is still a trust system, so we've been working on this for almost a year and a half on how is it designed, how do we structure it, and now it's started the construction to 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 make it safe, and now we're in the middle of layoffs. So the timing is is awful. So so essentially, this was started a year and a half. A ago. long time ago. Okay. Yeah. So okay. Well, that's a mitigating factor then, because it makes it sound like when you're reading the paper that this is something you guys just came up with yesterday and decided you wanted to do. So no. No, we we've, we've been working on this for quite some time. All right. And and you know everybody saw the need. Uh, is there going to be any kind of move to maybe mitigate how much it costs, or is it pretty much set in stone that's a done deal? We're we're looking at what can we change. Absolutely, right. we're sensitive to it. I, it, it's 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 one of these things where we have a lot of projects going on. We're fixing roads. Right. We're fixing other facilities and remodeling all the time. We're and 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 the building that we're in hasn't really had a facelift in 30 years. I mean, I had you know I had 25 year old carpeting when I got into my office, and it and it, it shows. So sometimes there is a need to you know do some upgrading. Um, and I can understand people getting a little frustrated about it, but there are other people in the business community go like, well, yeah, we've seen your offices. They terrible. You run a six point six billion dollar operation, and you and they house you in that kind of facility. You know, so it's kind of funny how the, the you know the public reacts. Right now, uh, the next thing that's been in the paper is the food system, the food uh, grading uh, for restaurants, and this was something that that I found interesting when I got to Orange County from San Diego. Uh, in San Diego and in L.A., they've got the ABC system. And up here, you just had a plaque up there, and you never really knew, although you could go online uh, and you could see what their, uh, you know, what their violations were, what each restaurant's violation was. But it came up again recently, uh, and there was some debate as to whether or not it should be an ABC system or a red light, yellow light, green light system. And really, at the end, um, it kind of was parsed down to, uh, we'll just keep the plaques the way they are. People can still go online and see what the violations are. And it seemed, at least from my perspective, that the board took a stance that, it, that it's more important that the restaurant stay in business and not be affected by this in a recessionary time than public safety's concern of whether or not this is a safe restaurant to eat at. Where was your stance on this? Well, I, I don't blame you for coming to that conclusion, Cameron, because both the LA Times and Register sort of poo-pooed the whole thing. You know, supervisors reject letter grade right, for restaurants, right, right. as opposed to what did we really implement. Right. And um, I, I'm here to tell you that I think the, the both papers did us a disservice. The, Which isn't the first time that's probably ever going to oh, happen. I'm really surprised yeah, that we've got bad journalism. <laughs> Jeez. 
Yeah. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Sorry, been no, there, I, done that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the issue is that in Orange County we do have an environmental uh, sector of our healthcare agency that does inspect all restaurants and grocery stores in the county, and they've done a good job and a thorough job. And our airborne or foodborne illnesses are, are are as low as our neighboring counties, if not better. So so we don't have an epidemic or anything that we're trying to address that isn't already being taken care of here in Orange County. The letter grade system is, is, has, was adopted by our neighboring counties, but for some reason before I got here was not adopted by uh, the Board of Supervisors. So we looked at it after the grand jury report. I mean, since my office sincerely looked at it, and we, we told health care agency, you better put together some proposals. We want to see something better than what we have. And so we worked with uh, Richard Sanchez, uh, head of that environmental department, and we came up with the letter grading, and we came up with the, the color placards, which is something that started in Toronto, Canada, believe it or not, and has been adopted by Sacramento County. It's working very well uh, in Sacramento County. I've already met with their officials. And so that was sort of my preferred choice. The letter grade gets a little goosey. Um, there's a lot of uh, complaints of uh, restaurant owners kind of manipulating inspectors or bribing or it gets to be an awkward thing because the letter stays up for a long time mm. the uh, color code says okay you're green if you pass inspection if you didn't pass inspection you still have to make the corrections today but we're going to put the yellow placard up on your window and we will come back within 72 hours or seven days and inspect you again and if you're clean then we take it off and put a green back up if you failed the inspection you cannot fix it today you're closed. We're putting up a red. So that that was my motion. That I made the motion to do the colored placard, and I didn't get the third vote. Then the idea was, okay, well, you've got that little orange seal in the window. It says pass on it. Now let's have a second seal that's very visible. It says pass, reinspection due, in bold letters. So if you see reinspection due, that's a yellow. That's a B or right. a C. Okay. Okay. And and then it will say, it, and it will still be the same seal. But if they're closed, it will say closed in the middle of that seal. It'll be closed. So we got the system identical to the two others. You know, just a different variation. But we still have a. You know, you passed. You you passed, but you didn't. You didn't meet all the requirements. You're so you're a yellow or a B, or you're a closed. You're you're a red. Uh, we just so we just have it in a different iteration. What now? What's the website that people can go to? Do you know it off the top of your head? For the you know, it's actually not like ocgov dot something, but it's actually like food. Yeah, OC you know, food or something. Yeah, but yeah, it's, and it's, I don't it's, have it memorized. I, I don't either. I should have it for everybody. Um, I'll put a link for it up on the on my uh, blog. But the the nice thing about that website, I've been to it actually. I, if I know I'm going to eat someplace that I really like, I don't ever look at it. I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just I'll be bliss. Just ignorance is bliss on that one. But if it is a place that I that I'm uh, you know, it's a great because you can go and you can see all their violations. So I do applaud the county on that. They they've done a nice job as far as that's concerned. Um, but you're right. Most people they'll they'll do impulse eating. You know they'll they'll right. walk up to a restaurant. Oh, let's go here. Right. And 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 you want to kind of see something see in the something. window. Exactly. Yes. So so we're there. I try to do that, Cameron. I didn't succeed in getting a third vote for the color placards, but I think the compromise we came up with still accomplishes the same thing. So now we have to educate the public that, you know, there's pass, there's pass with reinspection, and there's closed. Before, you could just close your place and not not explain to the public why you were closed. Right. Which right. is kind of bizarre. You say, oh, we're remodeling or on vacation or, you know, <laughs> right. it isn't that you had rats or right. cockroaches. Right. Or, right, right, right. Let's get on to campaign finance. Last week I had Shirley Grendel in here, and she brought up that um, – she wanted to make some changes to the current campaign finance law and that there was a committee that was instated uh, by the Board of Supervisors and uh, each board member was able to put on a um, somebody, anybody that they wanted essentially onto that committee to discuss this new campaign finance. And Shirley's big beef with the committee is that we've got two bigwig uh, political consultants from Orange County on there, Adam Probolsky and um, John Lewis. And her feeling on that is that these guys are, um, you know, they have a vested interest in seeing campaign finance limits increased or taken away altogether. What's your view on campaign finance in general? And what's your view on having uh, campaign uh, political consultants 
uh, on this committee to decide whether or not the law should be changed, upgrade, modified, et cetera, et cetera. Two-part question. No, camera. I'm glad we have three hours for this show. Um, <laughs> we don't. <laughs> the, 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 the question is, what's my feeling? I, I am not a big fan of campaign finance, personally. All right. Um, Shirley Grindle is a historical figure here in the county. She's rather prickly or interesting yes. gal. Yes. Uh, but she um, passed 10 Cup and 10 Cup 2, which put campaign finance reform uh, into the ordinances literally, of, of the County of Orange through a ballot measure. So it it had a lot of components that were now outdated or unconstitutional that needed to be upgraded. She's been complaining about, you know, maybe we should do another ballot measure to fix that. So I had her meet with my chief of staff, uh, Mario Monero, who was a law professor, actually an expert in constitutional law, uh, was the former dean of, uh, assistant dean of Whittier Law School here in Costa Mesa. And so Shirley and, and, and Mario worked together to clean everything up. And, and I asked for a lot of things, too, like decriminalizing treasurer errors. You know, just getting, you know, let's not scare everybody to death here in Orange County because it was costing some candidates way too much to even have a treasurer. You know, and no one would volunteer because of some of these provisions. We were able to get two ballot measures formed. One was to clean up everything in Tin Cup. The other was to set up a, a committee that would oversee any violations. I was not able to get those approved by my board to put them on the ballot. There was a strong uh, reaction. They felt it was McCain-Feingold, which it wasn't. It was cleanup and, you know, an oversight committee because the district attorney doesn't really take on uh, campaign violations uh, very often. And we haven't had that many, to be honest with you. So, uh, and, and Shirley Grindle's a little prickly, and it didn't help when she got up at the podium and started chewing out some of our, my colleagues. <laughs> so I didn't get the votes. So about a, a little later, the grand jury came out and said, hey, by the way, all the things that Monero and Morlock said needed to be fixed. Yeah, they do need to be fixed, you know, and you ought to fix them. So we decided this time, let's, let's get some buy-in, let's get every office involved. And I appointed Shirley Grindle and my chief of staff so at least she's on the committee. So she shouldn't be complaining. She's on the committee. Right. The other offices, yeah, they put people in the industry that have to deal with this campaign finance law. So why uh, Shirley is is having a conniption over these two individuals is a little, you know, a little hard for me to digest. It's sort of like, okay, Shirley, you better convince everybody that what we want to do is the right thing to do, or, or you're going to see a ballot measure that says just scrap it all, like neighboring counties where there are no contribution limits, there are no you know, all these, 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 these barriers, uh, and, and you might lose it. So, so Shirley's a great gal, great heart. She just needs to kind of mellow out in her seventies. Yeah. Well, campaign finance is, is something that I'm starting to delve into and I'm, and I'm beginning to think that campaign finance, uh, is, is not needed in, in many for many reasons. I, you know, we'll get into that subject. Maybe you'll come in and we'll talk about campaign finance on a different show because my feeling on campaign finance is that uh, y- people are already getting around the rules as it is. I see it time and time again, especially here in Orange County. And why not just have it out in the open? If you want to get uh, $5 million from Lennar to uh, be your donor, well, fine. Just let's now we know where you come from. And then it's up to the voters to decide whether or not they want to approve person X who gets $5 million from Lennar. Well, the city, the city of Irvine, Cameron, is your poster child. That, I'm referring you know, this to place them. is amazing. Where Larry Agron, you know, God bless him, has been able to, you know, take on and keep his position because he has campaign limits. But every cycle that he's on the ballot, he puts on ballot measures, and so these ballot measures don't have contribution restrictions. So he gets all the big money yes. to support the yes. ballot measures. And by the way, the mailers say, oh, and by the way, vote for Larry Agron. Yes. I mean, you talk about abuse. Of the system. You know, it's yes. just amazing. Yes. So, yeah, we could clean this nonsense up. And, and Irvine is just a great example. Yeah, of, the, I, I've been covering it now for many, many months, and it never ceases to amaze me, Larry Agron's ability to uh, skirt the uh, laws and get, I mean, they, they got a million, uh, well, last reporting was $700,000 is what they, they spent between the three of them, Kang, uh, Agron and uh, what's her name? 
can't think of it. Anyway, Beth, Beth, Crom. Beth Crom. If you're just joining us, my guest today is John Morlock. He's the chairman of the uh, Board of Supervisors here in Orange County. Uh, you're listening to KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is the OC Show, of course. Um, you know, if you have a question, you can email me real quick uh, for uh, chairman of the board, John Morlock. Uh, you can email me at Cameron at theocshow.net. That is Cameron at theocshow.net. That's C-A-M-E-R-O-N, in case you don't know how to spell Cameron. You know, let's. Un- we've got just about uh, seven and a half minutes left, and there's so much more I do want to talk about, so maybe you'll come back at another time, but let's talk about the sheriff, the appointment of the sheriff, because I found this to be absolutely a fascinating, fascinating process. The Board of Supervisors had to appoint a new sheriff. Uh, you appointed Sandra Hutchins for you. Because from the outsider view, I thought that Paul Walters, who's the chief of police over at Santa Ana, was the shoe-in. I thought he had the backing of the Republican Central Committee. Uh, I thought that he was going to be the man to get that job. And then really out of nowhere, Sandra Hutchins got this job. How, what was? And you were one of the deciding factors for that vote. The vote came down to you. Uh, Janet Wynn and Pat Bates, you are the three that voted for him, while Norby and, and um, Campbell. Campbell dissented. What was it for you that uh, made the pick for Hutchins over um, Walters? Well, uh, this has been an interesting year as chair, uh, to maybe to summarize, you know, to have your sheriff resign in January after I became chair, and then have to go through this process, which took a good five months. Uh, we went and did an international search. Uh, Sandra applied as well as a lot of other great candidates. Paul Walters, a great candidate. Uh, Ralph Martin, also out of L.A., a super candidate. And here we, we were able to get, I think, 48 candidates. We had our outside consultants whittle it down to like a dozen, 11 or so. And then we interviewed all of them. And then we said, let's winnow it down to three. And it actually winnowed down to two. My Ralph Mountain sort of got bounced out, and it was down to Paul Walters and Sandra Hutchins. In in my case, I met with uh, both of them individually and interviewed them with six of my staff members. Uh, now, we, we asked them all the same questions, and when it was done, I asked my staff, uh, including a couple of interns, that's why there were a few more than normal there, um, because we do have a good intern program, and I said, I want you to put on the top of the paper who, who you think I should appoint, and then below that, the reasons why. I got them all back, and every one of my staff members, every one, said you ought to appoint Sandra Hutchins. It was, it was that, it wasn't like four of them said, you know, Sandra, and two said Paul. It was unanimous, and, and they all did this independently. So it was quite amazing to, to get that kind of feedback. Um, so that's why I voted for, for, for Sandra. Paul did not answer some of the questions that, that we were looking at as well as Sandra did. Uh, we, we, we know that Paul is well-respected. I like Paul. Uh, but it was just one of those things where at the end of the day, she just provided, you know, just a little bit more of what we were looking for. You know, I was... I mean, I was utterly amazed that the board voted for her. I, beca- <clears throat> I became the, the noted, known as the gender bender. And, you know, in fact, it was like... Well, there was a lot of hell that you guys paid for the, the, for that in the commentary section, uh, specifically from Stephen Greenhut about picking her. They, I mean, Stephen Greenhut really, does not like Sandra Hutchins. Well, no, I, they, because she, she is not his boy. Uh, Paul Walters is his boy. Paul Walters took Steve Greenhut for a nice tour of the Santa Ana yeah. Jail. I know. He, yeah. it, it, Paul Walters, you know, he did a good job of but, lobbying. But after Corona, one of the things that this county needed in the worst way was a breath of fresh air. And so I did applaud the Board of Supervisors for making the correct decision with Sandra Hutchins because we needed new uh, freshness, if you will. And we needed an outside influence in the Sheriff's Department that wasn't going to be influenced by the power brokers here in Orange County. That was a, that was, that was a, a you're, very you're, good... You're a former uh, public safety official, and those that we talked to, command staff down in the Sheriff's Department, are very, very happy with Sandra Hutchins. Yes. Some of those that are in the the PSR program or the CCW program are still very upset you know, well, and, and having a tough time. Well, and, and while you're here with that on the CCW program, that's one of the things that I've said over and over again on this show. People are missing the point on that. 
that was a, pro, a program that was in peril. It was a program that had been given out too many CCWs to too many donors. She came in at the board's request to clean up that department, and that's one of the things she cleaned up. So you can't have it both ways on the board. You can't say, come in here and clean this place up, and then when she, when she does something you don't like, that's really prudent because the CCWs, and, and, and the CCWs is a privilege, not a right. And that's what people need to understand on this controversy. It's a privilege. And when people understand that she's not telling you you can't have a gun at your house. Is that, what do you think on that, John? Well, Cameron, this is probably the more sensitive topic yes, it because it, it hits a lot of nerves with a lot of, a lot of people. The, the problem that we were facing was that Supervisor Norby said, let's do a, 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 a resolution that says, Sheriff, you got to do the following. Mm-hmm. And we said, no, that's unconstitutional. She is a constitutional officer of the state of California. We can't dictate what she does. We can give her advice. Right. And the advice is, let's have some balance. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't, uh, you know, Sandra Hutchins could have done this in a different way. Yes, yes. She yes. could have just waited till your permit had expired and said, okay, now... Uh, show us why we should renew the permit as opposed to sending a letter saying we're going to revoke unless you give us information as to why we should keep it. And the people that received the letter said, wait a second, we already gave the information. What more can we give without lying or exaggerating? And they were offended. Right. It was it was the wrong thing. you know. It was, and I don't blame people for reacting the way they did. It was like, how could you gra- yank something from us that we already have and, and make us feel like, we you know, did something wrong. Yeah, and, yes, and, and so that could have been different. Right, I agree with you on that. Uh, but it is still a privilege. Um, uh, one that I hope to get one day. No, I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, we've got about one minute left. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with your office if they need to or how they can donate to you uh, for your uh, campaign finance, uh, whatever information you want to give. We've got about a minute left. Well, I, I try to respond to all of our emails. So you can you can reach us at the 2nd District. The uh, There's an there's a, a email up on the county's website uh, but if you want to get real direct it's john.morlock at ocgov.com and i get a lot of fun emails some nice some not so nice some people are more than happy to tell me how they feel about things um and and i sometimes i respond politely and sometimes i don't because i'm a person too um as as i will be rerunning in 2010 uh, I do have a website that does have that kind of information. And the website I, is? I don't, I don't want to do that. Okay, I, I feel a little uncomfortable. Okay, fine. I, I'm, really, you know, I, I I'm in this business because I love it, not because I'm some crass politician. I, if oh, that makes sense. Hey, I, I, I respect that greatly. I really do. All right, folks, this has been the end of my guest today. Thank you so much. Uh, chairman you, of the Board of Supervisors, John Morlock, uh, in studio. I hope you'll come again. Would love to. Great. Thank you very much, everybody. It's been a wonderful show. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is The OC Show. I am Cameron Jackson. Uh, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good week. God bless all of you. I will say it. I don't care if it offends you. Next up, a student of life? Yes, I got it right with Judy Alexander. I'll see you all again next week. Goodbye.